This year we have four full weeks of Advent. It's not often that Christmas falls on a Sunday. That happens anywhere between five and eleven years, depending upon the number of leap years. So the next time Christmas comes on a Sunday will be in the year 2033. This means that churches will have plenty of time to set up for Christmas, uh, the Christmas trees and the nativity scenes. St. Francis of Assisi was the first to put up a nativity scene in 1223 in a cave in a little Italian town called Greccio. He wanted people to see and hear the events surrounding the birth of the Christ child. So he prepared a manger with straw and got an ox and a donkey and a young couple, a man and a woman, who played the roles of Mary and Joseph and a little baby nesting comfortably in the straw. In the West, this is the scene that most of us have in our minds when we think of Christmas or when we hear the Christmas gospel. In the Byzantine East, the iconic image of that first Christmas is, well, it's an icon written by Andrei Rublev in the 15th century. You'll find a similar icon in the back of the church uh, to my left. Unlike the more sentimental imagery that we Westerners are used to viewing in a crib set, there's no charming Bethlehem scene bathed in the light of a star in Rublev's icon. There's only a rugged mountain cave and a few plants. It suggests an austere world that is cold and unwelcoming, a world in which human beings have to fight for their survival. Around this strange lunar landscape, there is a riot of activity with the Virgin Mary and the Christ child in the center. Anyone used to the Western-style crash crib set will find all the familiar figures, an ox, a donkey, wise men, a shepherd, angels, and there are people you don't expect to see, like the two midwives who are busy bathing the newborn infant Jesus. But all of these, of all of these, the most interesting figure of all is that of St. Joseph, who sits at the bottom left with his head in his hands, looking troubled and despondent. There is an old man talking to him, in some cases whispering in his ear, in Orthodox iconography, this is the figure of Satan telling St. Joseph that virgin birth is impossible and he's a fool for believing it. His young wife, whispers the devil, is trying to deceive him with preposterous claims about angelic visitors. Joseph's personal predicament is the dilemma of us all at Christmas. It is the difficulty in believing the gospel's claims about Jesus Christ, that he's God in human flesh, that he was born of a Virgin Mary, that he rose from the dead, and that he will come in glory at the end of the world and any other of the clauses that we recite in the creed. The ecumenical councils of Ephesus and Chalcedon defended these doctrines, including the circumstances of the Savior's conception and birth, as did Saints Irenaeus, John Chrysostom, St. Jerome, and Tertullian, who is not a saint. Luther and Calvin believed in Christ's virgin birth, together with the radical Swiss reformer Ulrich Zwingli, who believed in little else. 
Even the Quran teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin. So theology, like politics, sometimes makes for strange bedfellows. When we recite the creed and arrive at the phrase, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man, we bow our bodies in humble acknowledgement of Christ's incarnation, but we also bow our minds before the mystery of how this all came about. That there are scoffers to this and other key doctrines of the faith ought never to disturb us, but neither should they leave us timid and unwilling to speak up for the truths of the faith. The Church faces many challenges in the 21st century, and one of the most pressing is the need to stop apologizing for what we believe in, or worse, settling for the thin gruel of watered-down cultural Catholicism served up in heaping portions by the apologists for the Enlightenment agenda. This agenda wants to convince us that we live in a theological and moral vacuum in which there can be no overarching or all-embracing truth to human existence, and therefore there is no point in human life either. Buy into this agenda, accept it, and what do you get? You get the voices of the three great prophets of the modern era whispering in our ears. Marx telling us it's all about money, Freud telling us it's all about sex, and Nietzsche telling us it's all about power. Three men three nouns that characterize the 20th century, three words that explain why it has been called the century of tears. Whatever else authentic faith is, it's not a hodgepodge of myths and fairy tales meant to lull us to sleep. That's the job of the news media. Authentic faith is about news, too. The good news about something that really happened 2,000 years ago in Palestine. A young Jewish woman consented to become the mother of the eternal Logos by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit and in doing so changed the course of human history. And just as the same Spirit hovering over the waters brought forth a new creation in Genesis, so that same Spirit brought forth a new creation with the consent of the Virgin. If she is the new Eve, then her son is the new Adam, a new and improved version of humanity. As a result, the world is a very different place from what it might have been had the Virgin said no. We seldom think about it, but she was free to do that, you know, just to say no to God. People do it all the time. Throughout the course of history, there have been many people who do that, and not all of them are pagans or atheists. The gospel invites us to submit to our hearts and minds to the Lord Jesus and allow other claims, other allegiances, and other loves to be transformed by his grace. This is the radical call to holiness that Advent has been proposing ever since, ever since there has been an Advent. Because 
In the end, Advent is not about standing around waiting for the last coming of Christ. It is about living as though he were already here, because he is.